the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download and listen to for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and this week my special guest is Lucy Chamberlain, head gardener at East Donnellan Hall in Fingeringhoe. Coming up, we'll be answering your questions on everything from camellias and foxes to apricots. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Lucy, it's a warm welcome to the programme and it's been a bit cooler this week overnight particularly. And finally, there was a touch of rain. Not enough though, was there? No, it, I could hear it on my conservatory roof last night and it was just a little patter. And then when I opened the curtains this morning, it was just nothing really. It's a bit dry. So how yes. is that actually, out of interest, how do you think that is affecting our gardens? Is it going to cause problems? Um, I have been irrigating this week our um, herbaceous borders and beds because mm. we're on really light sandy soil where we are in fingering hoe so i think if you're on a clay soil you might be getting away with just leaving things as they are but um especially if you've had plants that have been newly moved around on light soils they're going to need Get lots water. of water yeah because yeah, they're just not getting it from the sky mm. so, so what's your tips then for this one <laughs> well talking about herbaceous borders we've been moving things around uh, at donald hall where i'm head gardener um so again been irrigating with seat poses to keep things topped up but i've also been jumping there with my pea sticks and my wire cages and my stakes because it's prime time to stake your herbaceous perennials not till they're too don't no. wait till they're too tall exactly. and then all you're doing is tying them up and they all look horrible and they, and they snap you can't yeah. help it it's absolutely awful so please please get out there now and get the staking done and you will feel so virtuous that you've done it and the plants will thank you for it as well there's lots of different ways you can stake plants um, we've been using low wire cages for things like alstroemerias, which form very good sized clumps, but they're very lax and very floppy and they can get top heavy. So the wire cages you just raise up as the plants get taller and taller and then that stops the stems from snapping. You've got other perennials like um, we have Achillea cloth of gold, which is a really tall, lofty perennial. And it's, the stems are quite strong and quite wiry, but they can get top heavy and flop. So I've been using PK, um, pea stick cages around right. those just to keep them in place. And then there's whacking great big perennials like there's a, a Rebecca Herbstrom, which goes oh, yes, to about six yes, foot well tall. Known one, that one, yeah, it's it? lovely, but it gets again so top heavy. So I've made a big dome over that to hold everything in place. So do don't just automatically think, I've got a perennial, I'm going to stake it. Think about how it grows and then apply a different stake to that scenario to help the plant. And when you say a dome, it's the plants actually grow out of the dome, don't yeah. they? It's not that you're holding the plant in, are you? No, you don't want to restrain it. You no, don't want to tether it. they look awful, don't yeah, they? Yeah, it's a very open dome. It's a load of pea sticks around the outside and I've woven some over the top as well because the stems otherwise wave around in the wind and they've got... If and they've then got, the plants come through it, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they just grow through it. And then it. flower. Yeah, and like I say, again, doing it early means that the foliage can grow through, it can adapt to the support that it's got and it looks much more natural. So do get out there and get that done. Now, talking of uh, this year, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I know I go on and on about roses, but if you haven't fed them when you prune them, it's a great time to feed them because a healthier plant will get less disease. Also, you'll get much better bloom and you've got a better chance of getting two good flushes. So if you haven't got out there with a good rose food, you're still better off with a rose food than anything else because it's got extra nutrients in it that help roses particularly do that. And that's a reminder that if you had black spot or even perhaps rust, mildews, 
spray now as the foliage is forming because if not it'll be too late it's no good looking at plants and oh look they're covered in fly they're covered in mildew they're covered in rust do it now to protect if you had it last year it's worth protecting them this year so yeah. get out there and spray look after your roses we have big beds of hybrid teas at Dunland Tall mm. and also if you want to be weeding or feeding it's so much easier to get in amongst the plants now before, they before grow they've grown otherwise you're snapping off heads yeah. here there and everywhere so yeah definitely get, get on, top on of that. with that <laughs> um we've got a pond in our front garden and uh it's not looking its best so it's one of our uh, on our a list of jobs to do to renovate it and if you've got a pond that's maybe um, you inherited it and it's looking all you know sort of silted up or the plants are all congested or it's just not looking its best now is actually a very good time to renovate a pond and the reason i'm saying that is because things are breeding uh, aquatic life is is coming into life they're mm. starting to breed. if you disturb them now there's all you're always going to disturb aquatic life whenever you renovate a pond but if you do it now they have time to breed again before the summer is out. So um, split up your herbaceous uh, aquatic perennials, go in there, our, our edging is really dodgy. So we're gonna put new paving slabs on, which means we've got to empty the pond out completely, really renovate it. But and you'll put, keep some of the water, won't you? Because keep some of, of the water yeah, because it has, a, yeah, it has obviously a lots of aquatic life in it. It's got lots of um, bacteria, nutrients, uh, tiny, tiny aquatic life like water fleas, um, all sorts of unusual things that take a long time to build up in the pond if you start from fresh water. So if you keep a bucket or two nearby, don't tip those away. Once you've renovated your pond and you fill it back up again with water, add those back to it. And it's like a kickstart to get the aquatic life in balance really, really quickly and stops things like algae and blanket weed building up. It just yeah. makes the pond much more balanced, much more rapidly, which is what you want. And if you take plants and weed out, rinse them off so that any perhaps tadpoles or anything like that can be washed back in. Because yeah. you don't want to lose them, do you? No, but at the same time, also be careful if you've got aquatic weeds that are a nuisance, uh, yes. like Elodea and, and duckweed, uh, those snacks should be washed off and, and kept out of the, the water pond. as yeah. opposed to the aquatic life which so you want in the water. It's just being very careful, isn't it? Yeah. how you how you clean off and, and deal with it's them. It's a great opportunity to go through your plants, grade them for health, grade them for weeds, and also, as you say, make sure you reintroduce the aquatic life that you want and keep out the stuff that you don't. Now, I heard people talking on the radio on yet another station this, this week, and they were talking about deadheading, and they didn't seem to be explaining it very well. And I, th I think to myself, I go around and see a lot of gardens and so often at this time of year we've got pansies, we've got violas, we've got polyanthus all growing, looking absolutely gorgeous, but people don't dead head. And all that means is as the head dies back, you nip it out. And all you're trying to do is stop the plant trying to go to seed, aren't mm. you, and reproduce. Yeah. Because then it will think, well, you've nicked that bit away, I'll have to grow some more flowers. And that's what plants do, don't they? They keep trying to reproduce. Yeah. And that's what the job is all about, making them produce lots of flower to make it look lovely and colourful. And the violas at the moment are looking fantastic, oh, aren't they? Oh, they are. I, had to, I work for a lady on Tuesday mornings uh, every week and go and see her garden. She's got loads of daffodils, which she loves, and also lots of violas. So I deadheaded the daffs, which is fine because daffs are slightly different. Yeah. They flower once. But you also still want to get rid of the seed pod because it, um, it, it takes can, away nutrients. Exactly. It? But look, she's got loads of violas. And my goodness, it took me about two hours to go around and deadhead the violas. But actually, it's one of those jobs that's quite fiddly, mm. but quite satisfying because the plants look better afterwards for it. And also, you know that you're going to be encouraging them to flower better that's and right. better. And it's worth going all the way down the stem and picking them off with your, with your nail and just nipping them off at, as low as you can. That's very important indeed. So yeah. they are 
deadhead any of your annuals, you'll get a longer life out of them, and it stops you going down the garden centre and trying to plant annuals now when actually it's too early. Just because the sun comes out doesn't mean you can plant your <laughs> softer annuals. So come on, enjoy those flowers that you've planted for spring deadhead yeah and you're linking to softer plants i'm i'm going to talk now because you know me i love my vegetables Ken. Yes, i absolutely love them um and i'm thinking in particular about what we call the tender veg and mid-april is a great time to sow them but when i say sow them i don't mean outside still very cold you need to sow these vegetables they need to be nurtured they need to be sown in a greenhouse or if you've got a porchway or conservatory absolutely ideal for uh, for sowings so we're talking sweet corn um, pumpkins, courgettes, all those sorts of vegetables, um, tomatoes, chili peppers, those sorts of things. If you have, if you've sown them early, keep them indoors. But sowing um, courgettes, sweet corn, they would absolutely appreciate being sown now. In um, they they're quite big plants. All these things I'm talking about, so mm. they need to go into decent sized pots once they've emerged. Yes, exactly. Um, French beans, runner beans, those sorts of crops again can be started off now, but you don't want to be putting them outside as i say you want to sow them mid-april with a view to planting them out at the end of the may beginning of june that's the time when frosts fingers crossed have completely Fresh disappeared and the plants can be safely put outside some of those you could even do on your on your windowsill couldn't yeah, you exactly as i say you don't need to have a green i don't have a greenhouse at home i have one at east Donnellan hall which is absolutely packed to the rafters full of ceilings at the moment but at home i just have a little porchway that's all it is it's one directional light so plants do get a little bit leggy you turn them around but, do you carlton well you know i don't because <laughs> i'm not that organized but what i tend to do is um i know that once they get outside they will sort themselves out so i thought if it's always a bit of a balancing act to, to get that right but yeah as i say get all those veg sown so that come the summer you're you can hit the ground running and get them outside well, plenty of jobs you can do in the garden, but the most important thing, of course, is to enjoy it. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Let's have a look at some of the gardening events taking place across Essex over the next few weeks. And we'll be starting in Billericay, Monday the 24th of April at 8 o'clock. The Horticultural Society have a talk on wildlife habitats and uh, that's actually in Billericay they're talking about. So the habitat's in Billericay. That's by Neil Sumner. Takes place in Chantry Way Day Centre. Visitors are very welcome. Entry is just a couple of pounds. On the 26th of April at 8 o'clock, the Dunmo Horticult Society have a talk by George Thorpe, past head gardener at Trinity College. And he's talking on climbers. Takes place in the Talbot Room, Folks Hall, Great Dunmo. Um, on the 20th of May... 10 till midday, the matching charity Farmers Market at the Village Hall has fresh produce from local farmers and producers. Well worth going along. That's 10am till midday and it takes place on the third Saturday of every month. Um, let's look forward a little bit to advise you of something that's happening uh, in Uttlesford and Harlow. They're trying to raise money for St Clair Hospice. Now, this is not till June, but put it in your diary. 24th and 25th of June, open all day. It's its 23rd year, and there are more than 20 gardens taking part. The entry is by brochure, which costs £5, and content contains all the details of locations and all the gardens. So they are. Think about that one as well. So they are. There's some of the gardening events that are taking place across the county. If you want your Essex gardening event for the BBC Essex Gardening Hour, you've got to send them to me, Ken Crowther, with at least three weeks' notice, either by email to ken.crowther 
at bbc.co.uk or drop me a line. BBC Essex, PO Box 765, Chelmsford, CM2 9XB. Coming up next, myself and Lucy will be answering your gardening questions and we'll start with Tony in Little Maplestead and his peach tree. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11. Yeah, about seven years ago I planted a small orchard and um, amongst it I had a peach tree. Yep. Now, it, it developed um, leaf curl yes. um, where it all got red and curling away. I used to be able to buy a spray that helped. You did? Last time I went to the garden centre they said there was now nothing available. And They're I quite... Wondered, they are quite right. There yeah. is right. nothing available at all. Used to be copper, copper. didn't it? it a was copper all... spray as a preventative in the autumn yeah. and then in, also in the spring. In the spring, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, mean, you grow you grow peaches, don't you, Lucy? Yeah, up I've got where a, you work. I've got. I, we're um, head gardener at East Donnellan Hall in Fingringo. We have a huge peach tree and um, it gets peach apricot. Leaf the apricot doesn't, but the peach does, and the nectarine do. Um, but what I was going to ask, uh, because we, we wall train our trees, which makes the protection of them against peach leaf curl really straightforward. But I reckon your tree is in open Out ground, open, isn't is it? it? Yeah, it's in open ground with the other yeah. trees. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that doesn't... I mean, you can... The, what we do at um, East Donnellan Hall, and I also do this at home with my peach tree, is to cover it up with a polythene sheet from January through till about May. And what that right. does, it stops the fungal spores of peach Spreading. leaf curl germinating because the mm. tree is kept dry and they need moisture to germinate. And you take the covers off, I'd say, about the end of this month. Um, if you wall train your peaches and nectarines, because like apricots don't get peach leaf curl, but those two trees do, wall train them, and then you can put the cover on really easily. But if you've got a tree in open ground, I mean, the principles still apply. And if you want a tree, you could try and erect a cage and cloak it in polythene. Right, but that's yeah. about all you can do because there's no that's sprays anymore, I'm afraid. And the only thing you left is it now. Yes, just, yeah. just you cloak it up. Um, yeah, I could. Yeah, I could pick do off that. from when to when did you say? It's from January up until May. So what you yeah. also have to do is when it's flowering, because the covers are on and the bees can't access the. Uh, peach flowers either take it off in the day or which is what i had to do is go in there with a the paintbrush and pollinate the flowers <laughs> so it's yeah you might find that actually having the peach in the orchard isn't a good idea now you might want to if you really like a peach wall train it or don't have it at all and the only thing you can do is pick off the worst offending leaf um, yeah but it's, if you have a really bad attack, it's just not worth it do. it's not worth and it. and remember that a well-fed plant is healthier than an unfed plant so if you feed trees, you will help them. You won't cure it, but you'll help. Yeah. Okay? Okay. Thank you for your advice. And plant plant an apricot, because uh, they do get a bit of curl, but they don't actually get it like Nowhere that. near as much. No. And you can get some really good yeah. apricots now that yeah, flower had, later. Again, at, um, up at Meadowcroft, it was a question time, and they were talking about, um, what was it, uh, one of the cots, aren't they? They've all got C-O-T on the end. Tom Cot. Tom Cot, I think yeah, it was, yeah. and they said it was absolutely superb. I've got one of those. Loads of fruit. Yeah, Loads in, a, of in fruit. a pot in my garden, and I can't wait for it to crop. <laughs> Talking grapevines with Rosie from Horsham. Are we going to be sent a bottle of wine, do you think, Rosie? <laughs> Which, of course, if it's turned out, you can save it for me. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's a good deal, Rosie. What would you <laughs> like, like to know about your grapevines? The problem is, I've, I've just, I'm new to this house. I moved in December, and now I've got this beautiful grapevine, but I've had it trimmed because it was just too much. And um, it's, oh, it looks like it's bleeding to death. It's, it's running and it's dripping and dripping and dripping. Yeah. And yeah. I've collected a whole bucket full. Yeah, You've, it's, of, been, 
it's been pruned at the wrong time. You yeah, shouldn't no. prune them at this time of the year because who, they're in growth. Yeah, we're, who, we're scared to ask, but <laughs> I hope he wasn't a gardener. It was. Well, he needs sacking. Oh, she's supposed to be a specialist, this gardener. Well, she's not, they're not specialists if they're doing that to your grapes. She's left me about, what, about two or three branches, well, two or three main branches. Now, can I feed this this back into it? Can you do what? Would you do what? Sorry, ask ask us again. I've got a bucket of stuff that I've collected. Yeah. Can I put that back onto the roof? No, no good. It doesn't help at all. I wouldn't worry about it. And I should reassure you that even when the plant's bleeding, it's not going to harm it. Don't worry. Oh, it isn't. No, it's not. Oh. It's good. No, don't worry. I mean, well, obviously, the, some of the, goodness the sap of it, is like oozing away into the limbs that should be there and they've been cut off. But the it's more of a nuisance to you because, as you say, the, the volume it produces is huge it and is. it can it can make everything because it's very sugary and sticky. So it can just be a nuisance, attract insects and be slippery. Get, yeah. get, some, get some charcoal. Get, get some charcoal. Yes. And uh, rub charcoal into it, crumble it up and put it onto the end, and that will help. Um, sorry, charcoal onto the end of the root, you know. No, where it's, no where it's cut, where the wounds you, are. you crumble it and put it onto the, onto the wound. Oh, it charcoal. Will, okay, yeah, it will now, help. may I feed it as well? I w- you don't, well, don't I w- need to, do you? I, would, I think it's probably worth giving it a bit of a feed because it's had a, a prune at the wrong time and it is oozing sap. I say just reassure that it won't harm the plant long term, and as soon as it leafs up the pressure will reduce in the sap and it won't be quite such a volume coming out and eventually it will stop come the early summer. You needn't say who your gardener was, you needn't say who your gardener was, but did they say, did they warn you that it is the no, wrong time? No, no. I think it was cut just before the warm weather came. No, it's still too late. You cut yeah. them in the winter before, uh, usually up until the end of February and then you don't. Oh, right. Anyway, let's hope it's going I'll tell you to what, though, Rosie, ring us next year and we'll give you better advice than the gardener. How about that? Yes, well, obviously you are. Um, ring us are in the winter. Garden my garden. Ring, ring, <laughs> us, ring us in the winter and we'll sort you out, OK? Can you just tell me what to feed it with? Any could, good general fertiliser. Yeah, because I know you like Vitax Q4 or Grow More. Um, just, uh, it doesn't need a huge amount. Vines are normally very vigorous anyhow. So, um, but, but I think just because it's had this prune and it's oozing sap, something general like that as a one-off treatment will be, will be something to give it a bit of a tonic. That's cruel. That is cruel. Cruel. Yeah. And grapevines, you know, they're so easy to do, aren't they? They are. They're lovely plants. Simple. And they normally give you a really good... I don't know if we're going to get a bottle of wine this year, do you? <laughs> we're definitely not going to get one from Rosie and Horsham. No. <laughs> Let's talk to Clive in Cavendish, because perhaps he's going to send us in a basket of apricots, as I don't Ooh, grow yeah. apricots. How about that, Clive? <laughs> what help can we give you? Uh, good morning, Ken. Good morning, Lucy. Hi, Clive. Um, we um, purchased... Uh, Dwarf apricot last April. It's, yep. it's called uh, uh, Garden Apricot. Oh, Apricot, yes. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's a lovely one. That yep. produces fruit quite quickly. Yeah, well, um, this year it was covered in blossom in February and uh, my wife fertilised it with a paintbrush and the bees Excellent. went round it. It was quite good. Uh, it it uh, formed a lot of fruit, but a lot of it's fallen off now. That's right, it does. Uh, uh, and I suppose there's about 10 apricots left on there of good size now. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, my question is that uh, it's profusely um, covered in leaves now. It's really uh, gone berserk, all the foliage all growing. Now, can you tell us how we have to uh, prune it and look after it, please? So is it growing as a, um, a freestanding tree rather than up against a wall, yeah? It's in a container. It, it's in 
Yeah. So it's a bush, is it? It's a mini bush. It's yes. It's a bush. Yeah. yeah they're yeah. bush trees, aren't they, a lot of them? Yeah, um, and just to reassure you that um, the fruit set that's happened, you will get some that fall off, but if the tree gets a little bit too dry or if you get a cold night, like a frosty night, that will also cause the fruits to drop. So if that happens in the future, just make sure that in the spring you're keeping it really well watered in the pot because obviously they can dry out easily in the pot. And also if it's a cold night, you can lift it maybe into somewhere that's sheltered just for that time. It it is in a cold greenhouse. Oh, great. Okay, yeah, yeah. I've got. An, I mentioned I've just got an apricot in a, a pot at home, and again, that's a quite a compact one. Um, what I'm going to do with the shoots is um, pick the tops out. Well, I'm going to festoon. I'm going to arch them over. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, idea. yeah, because you want to keep it small in the container, I guess. And what you do if you arch the shoot tips over when with some join string. Them up. Yeah, and then mm. sort of to arch them downwards. And you do this with string that you then tie back onto the main trunk, just very gently. It encourages it to flower and fruit better. It's not normally done with apricots because they tend to crop mm. on the younger wood. Um, so it's a bit of an experiment for me, but it will keep it quite small and compact. And the alternative is you just nip them back by about a quarter all the growing shoots. Yeah, you, you can do. I mean, they but bear in I, mind that they... Don't, you shouldn't do it really till next month, though, should you? And also they flower all along the length of mm. last year's growth. So if you're pinching out the tops, it you're actually reducing a, a, the amount mm. of flowering that you're going to get next year. So I'm, I'm more in favour of tying them in um, rather than cutting them out. But either or, either or would, would work. Okay. Right. So, thank you very much. I'd, I'd just like to point out that two years ago I phoned you up with a query on my lemon tree. Yep. And, uh, following your advice, we're having great crops and drinking your health every Sunday oh. with gin and tonic. I was going to say, I'm gonna say <laughs> it's I a shame you. you're so far away because I'd be down there for another gin and tonic myself as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Clive, for that. That's yeah. lovely to hear from you. Goodbye. Again, well, hello, Lucy. Hello, Christine. But at least you can listen to the chatter, can't you? <laughs> very interesting i have a problem with foxes ken i think a lot of people have don't you worse this year i've never had such a bad problem i must have about 30 or 40 holes in my lawn that i keep filling in and they keep digging them out again and what i mean the sprays don't work you can buy these spray repellents like a repellent yeah and what i was going to ask or perhaps other listeners can answer this question are these um so you can get these sonic repellent can't you either solar or uh, battery powered yeah you can do you can do Mm -hmm. i don't know do they work and if so can they be a worry to like neighbors cats dogs rabbits yes my neighbor's got chickens no 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 they only affect within the beam so it, it doesn't spread it through next door's fence oh right it's a beam I see. I think other mammals would be affected. I don't think chickens will. I don't know enough about the hearing of chickens, right. but I think it's like I a high pitched sounds that we yeah, can't I mean, hear, but mm, mammals like talk- cats and dogs. Yeah, I was talking last can. week about cats. Or, no, it was a week before about cats with Jeff. And what we were saying is that there are ones specific for cats, and then they've widened it. Some claim to do cats, dogs, foxes, and other pests. Um, and they have a wider a sonic hmm. noise. Uh, mm-hmm. So in theory, a fox, if a fox is, say, to be affected, you might affect dogs. Well, but that's the, what I wonder, because a fox is the same size, similar to a dog, isn't it? So. But the dog, is, the dog or animal has got to pass through that beam to be affected. Right. So right. really, the answer is, if, if foxes, I'd give it a go. 
Yeah, and yeah. it would be interesting, as you say, to see whether any listeners have actually tried yeah. these. Because I must admit, I haven't tried them. Because we've got a cat at home. We've always had dogs. So I think maybe they keep the mammals out of the gardens themselves anyhow. Yeah, so and I've got a tortoise. So <laughs> <laughs> any question, but Get yourself a dog, Christine. Yeah, dog's much better than a tortoise, yeah. <laughs> uh, if anything uh, else, if other listeners have got any yeah. other suggestions, you know. You've, yeah. said, you've said what I was going to say. So they can give us a call on 0300 200 and give Christine in Burnham a clue. Yeah. Some clues on what they've done. Um, we won't go into bring back fox hunting no. or anything like that. No, 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 no. But the real problem is, in all honesty, joking completely apart, they're not controlled. And I think that no, is, well, the is the biggest problem. problem. They're, yeah. they're, they're breeding out of control yes, now. That is they the are. problem. Totally. I don't yeah. know the answer. I haven't got an answer. And I wouldn't no. dare say it on air anyway. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Can I be, I'd appreciate anybody else's you know, suggestions Thank you. of you. Thank you. Good question, Christine. Thank you very much indeed. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. We've got a picture here from yeah, lovely picture. Colin Phillips of a nice plant. He says it dropped in his border, it's turned <laughs> up, nobody planted it. Can you please identify the plant? And, of course, we have... It's yep. mainly in bird seed, isn't it? A lot of bird seeds, and they well, get picked could, up by birds, don't it they? It could be, but this is this is um, this is a, it's a euphorbia, yep. and it's one that's got really lovely coral pink bracts as opposed to the lime green, which I would know if I saw that in the garden centre. I go, ah, oh, that's euphorbia graphii, fire, fire glow, and there's so, yeah, yeah, that might not be fire glow. It might not be, but that's as it's close as I can tell glow. that it is. It's one of those ones with, with maybe that mm. in its parentage, but it's Euphorbia griffithii fire glow is the closest we can say to it. But if it's a seeded plant, it may not yeah. be that, but the it might be The seed has been brought in by similar. a bird or something like that. And the, the only thing I can say about it is that you must, I must warn people, Euphorbia, just like all Euphorbias, it yeah. has a gungy white sap and that can can doesn't always but it can burn sensitive skin yeah. so um, just wear gloves wear gloves when you're and, and pulling it out or cutting it back yeah and obviously if you are cutting it keep children away from it as well so all right so your phobias are poisonous and also the other thing about them you shouldn't Oh, no, it's just sap on that one, isn't it? They don't go dry. No, I'm thinking of something completely different. You, yeah, he's gone, gone off on off a tangent. tangent. <laughs> gone off a tangent. Let's go back to the phones now and talk to Anne. And uh, where we got Anne? There we got Anne, haven't we? And we're talking yes. Fatinia Red Robins, aren't we? Oh, a lovely shrub. Yeah, my... Um, it isn't very... Uh, it, the leaves aren't a very red one, I'm afraid. I wish I'd have bought the red one. But a lot of the leaves are falling off. Oh, OK. does happen this time of year. Oh, right. Well, I'll give it, um, a seed of seaweed last week. Yeah. Good girl. I think we recommend that quite often yeah. on here. So is it in the ground oh, or in the container? Sorry? Is it in the growing in the ground? It's or in the, the ground. It's, it's in, in the, the ground. ground. And how long has it been in the ground for? Oh, about um, three, four years now. Oh, OK. So it's still your youngish plant. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but you say the leaves are literally just, a few of them are just dropping off. Yes, quite a few, actually. Quite a few. And I was a little bit despondent because I wanted to hide the fence up. It's yeah. very, have yeah. you watered them at all? Uh, yeah, but well, try to if I, if I remember. Yeah, it is very dry. Water, it's very I? dry this spring, and I think I mean, fatinias do drop leaf at this time of year because they're producing their new leaf, just like laurels and a lot of the other plants. You know, they're producing new leaf and they drop old, don't yeah, they? They do, and but also they're I was a bit more dramatic this year on fatinias than I've seen. Well, them also, for a long my, time. I was just going to say my camellia at home. I was underneath it yesterday, clearing up some of the dead flowers because it makes a bit of a mess. It but does it's lovely. make it. They do make a mess. And there were quite a lot. I was surprised. Quite a lot of 
perfectly green leaves falling off and I think that was a stress response because we were on a light soil it's slightly raised up and they are more happy in a more sort of like moist soil so I would agree with Ken that I reckon it's just got a bit too dry especially when it's a young plant it might not have got a really established root system just yet so do give it a good soak a good water carry on with the seaweed feed because that will give it a little bit of a perk up as well are you doing that over the foliage are you doing that over the foliage or on the ground uh, on the ground. Do it over oh, the phone. Fo- I did it on the phone. Good girl, that's How the often? one. Once a fortnight, would you say? I think it's about once a fortnight. Yep. Just check on the bottle, but I think they recommend it's about once a fortnight, yeah. yeah. Oh, and before we finish, I'm the lady about the cat watch, and I did see it last week. Yeah. You know, and uh, there was only one negative response on the... Uh, I know. ...on they... the Google that I looked at. Yeah. Um, no. And also, I, my daughter bought me an azalea. You said oh. that I could pot it up again and perhaps have it in next year. That's right. Right, OK, then. So Anne Thank from West much, Clacton, then. a regular listener to the programme. Nice to hear from you. Um, and we are now going to Simon in Shalford. Hello, Simon. Hello, good morning. What can we do for you, sir? I've got three Morello uh, cherries, uh, right. which I planted as uh, bare root about eight years ago, nine years ago. Uh, they're about 10 foot from each other. Um, two are out in wonderful blossom at the moment, and the third one looks as if it's dying. Oh, dear. The ideas. Oh, Simon, that's How not good. How old did you say? You said they were been in the ground about eight, eight years. Eight years old. Bare roots, not, aren't they? That's not... I wouldn't have thought that's a honey fungus problem because normally no. that attacks plants that are lacking in vigour and sort of on the way out and maybe a bit old and, and uh, in that sense. So it's probably not going to be honey fungus. Um and they were, are they all glowing, growing like in the line next to they're each growing, other? They're growing in a line. Yeah. Um, the Up against one a... that's suffering is about five, six feet from an oak tree in my neighbour's garden. Um, but yeah. uh, they, they've performed every year. I grow them mainly just to amuse the birds, you know. <laughs> oh, so lovely. they take all the fruit before I get them. I'm sure yeah. they do, unless you yeah. net. They really do, don't they? You, well, do you know, you're coming up. You're coming up with a problem, I think, and the rise going to be an arising problem this year because we are we've just gone through one of the driest winters since seventy six. Oh, yeah, ridiculously dry, uh, isn't it? No one realises how dry it is. You've got an oak tree next to it which will have just started into leaf, yeah? It has, yeah, yeah. That is drawing huge amounts of moisture out of the ground. And I would guess that that might be one of the problems. Yeah, it could I can't well think be. what else it could be. No, I mean, is it oozing any um, sort of sap, any sticky sap? Like if you've got bacterial no, no, canker? Nothing. And I've broken no. the odd small branch and they're still green. Okay, okay. And you've got little um, min- miniature, um, what do you call them, buds formed. That yeah, but something's... not going anywhere. No. I've um, had a hose trickling on it for the last 48 hours. I want it too late now. Or no, you... you're... Well... What was it? What did you just? It hasn't burst at all with leaf, or it no, has. Not, a, not it's at all. Got the buds there. Have you scraped it. the stem to see whether it's at all green or brown underneath? Yeah, done that green. Watering it's is the right I thing. I think yeah. Then. Maybe don't water it excessively. I think you've had, if you've had the hose pipe on for forty hours, I'd probably now turn it off. Yeah, um, because yeah. if the tree is stressed it and it's not in leaf, again, it's not it it's not going to be losing moisture through any leaves so just be careful that you haven't done um too much but all you can do now i think is sit tight um and (laughs) yeah exactly and you know obviously water again if we don't get any rain and would you we're forecasting parts of the country a little bit of rain but not an awful lot so you might need to jump on the hose pipe again say in another week's time um and yeah fingers crossed really hope it um, recovers yeah (laughs) it just looks so i suppose it is the oak that's taking it all yeah is that the one that's closest to the oak tree yes 
Yeah, yeah, which makes sense, doesn't it, then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, well, you're doing all the right stuff. We just hope that the plant pulls through. OK, thanks a lot. <laughs> all OK, right. thanks, Simon. Thank you. Bye. Let's talk with Pauline from Jaywick. Yeah, I've got a problem with the yucca plant. What's your problem, really... Pauline? Uh, well, the top leaves are still growing and there's some green flowers coming. About halfway down, the leaves are turning brown. On the yucca? very brittle. Yeah. Is, is it definitely a yucca? As far as I know, yeah. Yeah, the flower, what's the flower like? Have you uh, had it? It's green, the outside's green with little white flowers in the middle. So the yucca's flowering? Yeah. It's little white flowers? Yeah. Could be a cordyline. Could or a be yucca. a cordyline. Or yucca's. Yeah, yeah it's got a bigger flower, hasn't it? They not, they're not big, small, are they? They have a massive big spike, but is it? this is a house plant, is it? Yes, it's indoors, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's growing leaves lower down, but I don't know why the, the leaves are turning brown. Um, I would say that Moisture naturally, as they well they as they age, the lower the yuccas eventually get a bare stem with a tuft of leaves on top, and the tuft of leaves on the top stays green. And the one the bare stem is basically um, where the the leaves have yellowed and fallen away and aged over time. So it might just be that you're sort of witnessing the natural response of a yucca to it to it growing and, and getting a bit older. So you, I would definitely take those leaves off. Have you mm. had your um, your heating on a lot in the last few months? Mm. It comes on now and again, but we don't have it on a lot. No, no. Okay, because sometimes central heating can cause things to dry up uh, really rapidly. I would maybe get a little hand mister and mist it with water as well. That does help, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does, just to get humidity into the atmosphere. And you say it's flowering at the moment? Yeah, it's got flowers coming near the top. Yeah, see, I think the flowers would be... growing there as well. Yeah, so you're getting so you're getting new growth, which is positive. And I, I wonder if the flower is just exhausting the plant slightly, because they can be quite significant flower spikes yeah. that yucca produces. So maybe that's why the leaves are yellowing a little bit more than normal. But just don't worry, because as I say, Pauline, the leaves of the especially the lower leaves of yucca will naturally yellow and brown, and you can just take those off. Yeah, the brown ones are like bristle, you know. Yeah. Got brown flowers near where the brown leaves are. Yep. Yeah, so, so they can be taken off, leave the green ones. Once the flower spike is finished, cut that off, give it a mist, give it a liquid feed as well to help it recover from the flowering, and Bob's your uncle. Okay. okay. All right? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure. Right. And it's interesting, Lynn in Springfield wants to know where, where her push-along mowers. Now, I would have thought any good uh, mower shop, you know, there's grasshopper yeah. and places like that. Up yeah. at, that's Nick Great Lees. That's not that far from Springfield. Um, they would sort it out because they take the actual whole cylinder out, don't so they? So she wants to buy sharp- one or she's having no, it repaired? No, it's sharpened. Oh, fine. You yeah. just take the cylinder out, don't they? Yeah, and then any, they sharpen them. Anyone that it's does It's not the cheapest sharpening. thing to do, but they can do it properly. That yeah. would get it done properly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, grasshopper's one I use. It's not bad, you know. Anybody, yeah, just checking your shop. exactly checking your phone directory or online for yep. anyone that services mowers, yep. and they will do the job for you. So, Lynn, no problem at all. Get it sharp. Nothing like a good hammer. I've got a, a ransom Ajax. You know, there's one with the aluminium and yeah. Oh, yeah. We lovely. Li- I never use it. We live next to a gentleman who's an yep. expert in renovating mowers, and so when we have any problems with ours, we just round the corner have a little word with him. He's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Let's now talk to Hazel in Hadley. Don't forget, she has rung us on 0300 200 Hazel. Good morning. Hi there. How can Hi. we help? Um, it's about the camellia. I've had beautiful loads of flowers, and um, but they've all died back now. Um, but it's getting really tall and leggy. When can I sort of chop the 
top off. Ah, not so long. <laughs> do you it's, do them in May? Oh, it's straight after flowering, isn't yeah. it? Because what you're trying to do, what a camellia will naturally do is flower and then put on new growth. So yes, what you're doing is, is yeah. bit, just as it's putting on that new growth, prune it back to the shape that you want. And you can actually be really quite brutal with camellias. You don't think you would be able to do that because they're quite delicate looking no, plants. No, but no. you can go so, back into so thick stems. Sorry, I'm actually cutting off the new growth. That's right, yeah? That's fine, yeah. Like yeah, I say, good. straight after flowering, oh, and it will have lovely. a chance to grow and recover and then still yeah. hopefully flower well next year. It's been, it's been beautiful. It's the, the first year. I've only planted it this, this year. Oh, wow. It's been absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Can I just ask one more quick question? Of course you can. Go for it. Do I, what do I do with the daffodils? Do I chop the heads off, or, or what do I do just with take, them? Just take, just take the heads off, nothing yep. else. Yep. And yep. then if you've got a chance, if you're enthusiastic, you can put either grow more around the daffodils if they're in a bed to put nutrient in but that will yeah. need watering in if not a good liquid feed over the leaf and that right. puts nutrient back into the bulb and then they'll flower even better next year brilliant thank you very much have a lovely easter you okay. too hazel thank you <laughs> thank you bye bye joe from hadley plum trees uh, hello i'm uh, phoning about the plum tree moth Yes. Um, last year in our Victoria plum tree, we had a very bad infestation. I think we had about four edible plums oh out dear. of the whole tree. Now, um, following your advice from last year, I've put the sticky band route fruit for fruit trees around the base of the tree, and we've put in the pheromone trap. Um, I've checked it this morning, and there are... 34 moths in there. Wow, yeah. Well, the, um, I know it says on the instructions on the pheromone trap, put in mid-May. That's right. But it started blooming very early this yeah. year. We've had so much heat, haven't we? So that was, yeah. that was a very sensible thing to do, Joan. Well done. Yeah, so I did put it in. Now, to me, they just look like ordinary little grey moths about half an inch long. Yeah. How can you tell if it is actually the plum moth? Well, because you've used the trap, which has a pheromone in it that which attracts only attra the male moth. Only yeah. That yeah. Moth. yeah, I mean, it, it's, right. you might get one or two unfortunate moths of other species flying past that just inadvertently get stuck. But by and large, that's what that pheromone trap is doing. It's actually luring in the males. So you can be pretty ah. much guaranteed that 80, 90 percent of those moths stuck on there are going to be your plum moth. Right. Yeah. Um, so on the instructions here, it says that if you get more than 12 a week, mm. you should use a suitable insecticide. Now, Rightly. what insecticide would there that There aren't any. No, oh. I was going to say that... The, I think there's none for fruit now, are there? You have to be... There's, there's some. You have to check the label recommendation. I think there's a Bayer product, isn't there, for fruit and veg. But cool. you can... Ah, oh, that's it. I thought I could use that still this year. We'll have to find out. Because I was, I was <laughs> relying on that for my... Um, Hang on, we'll get back to you on that one. But what I was also going to say is that if you want to rely solely on the pheromone traps, it's recommended that you hang, depending on the size of the tree, at least two or three in there rather than just the one. So you're hanging it's one. It's still in this year. Yeah, I thought it was. I was thinking that there's, there is one that can be used on specific pests and it's, the, it's whether you can use it on plum moth, I'm not entirely sure about. But it's, what's the name of it, Ken? It's the ultimate fruit and veg bug killer, but it doesn't mention... It's, it, it doesn't mention them at all. It just got caterpillars, beetles, weevils, apple and pear suckers and capsids. Yeah. So it's not really covering it. So it's not saying that you and can use the it reason, on some moth. The reason is because the moth lays its eggs in the back of the flower, doesn't it? 
Yeah. And therefore, you've got to be very careful when you spray it because you're affecting the fruit. And that's what I think one of the reasons is. Yeah. But most of them have disappeared, isn't it? I would carry on, Joan, actually going yep. with the pheromone traps. But I, because you've is got... it a big tree or a little tree? It's quite a small tree. I one would be fine. I think it's about six, seven years old. But yep. I did cut it back quite severely last year. I wouldn't spray particularly, would you? I'd, I'd do it again next year. Yeah. And you're I think pruning in summer, aren't you? Um, you should be. Well, it was in the summer. It was after all the plums were off. Good girl. That's right. Spot on. But I think if you've got that many moths in your trap, you might want to hang another one because what you can oh, okay. do is trap as many male moths in the in the yes. in the pheromone traps as possible, and that should at least limit the amount of plums that are damaged. Yeah. Give you more than three this year. <laughs> And we go to Julian Morden, and we will be coming to Dawn and to Maureen. We haven't forgotten you. Julian Morden, what's your question? You're back, we're talking camellias again, aren't we, Julie? Yes, yeah, it's a camellia question. Um, so I've had a camellia in the garden for about five years, and it's never really taken, but it's always flowered um, with really lovely red um, Good. flowering. Good. Mm. This year, I've got more buds on it than I've ever had, but they seem to be dying before they're actually flowering. So oh, the buds okay. are really sort of quite thick and loads of them, but they don't yeah. seem to be blooming. Right, there is a bit of a... Just, I'll let um, Lucy explain, but basically there is a problem, you know, with all... It's rhododendrons, azaleas and camellias because they produce their buds, don't they? Yeah. Late summer, well, July onwards. They're initiating their buds in, in, Ju late, in July, July, August, onwards. September. That's when they initiate them the previous year. And that's year. when we ignore those plants yeah. because they're evergreens usually. That's and right. we think, oh, well, we're there right, right till next year. Yeah. So and what actually, are we going to do? You want to mulch and feed your camellia. At that key time, we were saying... July, August, September of this year. but And that's what that does, basically. When the flower buds are being initiated and the plant is drought-stressed, um, it causes the flower buds to develop abnormally. And then they get to this point and they can't quite produce. They are aborted, essentially, by the, the shrub. It might also be because it's quite dry this now. spring as well. Um, so giving it a water might give you a little bit of you know temporary relief. But the most important thing is to ensure that it's well mulched and watered in July, August, September of this year. And that will then help it for next year's display. Lovely. All right, Julie? Okay, thank you yeah. very much. Thank okay. you. And yeah. we've, we're talking to Dawn at the same time, because she's talking camellias as well, aren't you, Dawn? Yes, I am. Um, Is it a similar problem or not? Um, well, our buds are all coming out brown, so when they actually flower, that's, um, most of the flowers brown as well. Right, are they now? Let's <clears throat> right. You said the buds are brown, yeah. but they're not dropping off before the flower. No. no. Does the flower open completely? Yes, open. Com um, some of them have opened completely um, with the brown on them. The others hmm. um, are just brown buds at the moment. Okay. I mean, I think we need to ask where it's situated. Does it get yeah. morning sun? Yes. That's your major problem. I would say it's either going to be morning sun. You've got some, something basically has physically damaged those buds. So it could have been a sharp frost. Although I don't know about that this year because we, we haven't had many sharp frosts. Or like Ken says, a you know, wind, wind burn essentially is what's causing the buds to sort of like essentially get sort of brown on the outside, but they're still able to open. Or something that's physically damaged them like that. Or maybe, again, you know, it could be dryness at the roots that's, that's exacerbating things as well. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you'd be better to move it. Mm. Is it very big? Uh, 
yes, we bought three. Um, yeah, when, no, big. when did you plant them, though? When did you plant them? Um, only about three weeks ago. Right, wait till they finish flowering. The garden centre... Don't say where you bought it. <clears throat> garden no. centre or nursery should have advised you about the position because that is so important with camellias. Yeah? Yes. You need to plant it or put it in a container somewhere where it does not get morning sun. Oh. So you need to move it next month, middle of May. Next month. Middle yeah. of May. Oh, right. Thank you. Would you move it now? Yeah. Actually, you could even move it now if you only planted it three weeks ago. And see you plant with ericaceous compost. Did you get advised on that? No. Right, no. you need to use ericaceous compost around it as well and then mulch it, as Lucy yeah. was saying. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. That's all right, that's what we're here for. <laughs> we're talking, if we can find where I'm going, Maureen from Braintree. We're talking <laughs> a couple of things, clematis and orchids. Is that right? That's right. Hello Let's, to you both. Hi, Maureen. We, what are we doing hey. first, clematis? Well, two years ago, we planted a Montana. Yep. Um, I think it was about April, May time. It it grew right up the trellis and flowered. And at the end of last winter, it looked dead. Okay. So we bought another Montana, and that flowered and grew right up again. It was fed and watered, you know, well. Um, we didn't actually put drainage in, like Sheena Chapman, uh, Chapman used to say, because it was, it was, quite, it was fairly dry. Right. What's happened, what's happened to it then, Maureen? It died. So that's two. Ah, oh, it's a shame, because well, Montana... No sign of life. No. I we wonder if... Um, no could... idea why. <laughs> could it be... Slugs and snails, because they can Chewing quite readily off. nibble the base of the clematis <clears throat> stems, and any, anything above that, so they've been nibbled it off at soil level, then anything above that dies. Could that be an option? Because you're keeping it well watered, maybe the ground is quite moist in that area, which is encouraging slugs and snails. They are active at the moment. Right. Is it a, sun, is it a sunny aspect or a, a less a shaded area? Um, somewhere in between. Yeah. So it could so be that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I would, my I'm... husband says it's and it's out in the garden at the moment. Who nurtures it? It's over, more of a drier area than that's why he makes sure. Well, he put, yeah. put some put a mulch round it of uh, compost and hopefully hold a bit of moisture in. Do it the other way round. And I think if you oh, can you put up, some you? slug pellets down, you can get yeah. organic slug pellets. So don't worry about <clears> them being chemical based. You can get some that are. Ferris. So if there's no sign of life, do you think we've lost that one? No, we shouldn't no leave it I don't, one. because the, the root system could be alive and it might throw up some new shoots from the base that need protecting from the slugs. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Still here, talking gardening on the phones with Maureen from Braintree. You had an orchid question as well, didn't you, Maureen? Yes, I love my orchids. I really look after them. And for the first year, I've had a white um, bug. I've looked it up, and it looks exactly as they say. I've got it under control. Hmm. But what causes it? Do you know? Was it mealybug? I've never bug? had it before. Was it mealybug you thought you had? Yes. 
Yes, yeah. Um, it's sometimes if you buy a new plant in, um, the mealybug tend to feed, go right down to the base of the leaf in amongst all the folds and it's very difficult to see them. And it's sadly, it sounds like you've bought a plant from a nursery which just hadn't controlled the mm. problem sufficiently well and it's as soon as you got it home, it just sort of flared up again. So I imagine that's what caused it. Oh, right. House I believe it was on a new one that someone yeah. gave me. House, right, house right. plant insecticide and spray it well down into the base. Yes, I have done that. You I should just have... wondered what caused it. No, that's the problem. Maureen, sounds like you've got to uh, perhaps buy new clematis and get you've done the right thing with the orchid completely. Oh, she's a good gardener, isn't she? Yeah, isn't she loves it, doesn't yeah. she? You can tell in her voice. <laughs> Uh, Josie from Waltham Abbey, you've got a Christmas tree you wanted to ask about, is that right? Yes, I did. Um, I bought it for Christmas, my daughter did it, you know, a real one with roots on. My daughter's is doing well, but mine's not. I seem to have gone all brown around the bottom. And then I keep saying, well, water it, water it, but it doesn't seem, you know, I didn't want to make it worse than what it no. is, or what do I do to make it not to, you know, to leave some no leaves on it, or what you call little things, little criticals, don't they? They drop off, don't they? You know, when you're getting Christmas, they all come off, don't they? But yeah. I put it in the garden, but... I wonder, you know, what it can do. Is it dead? So it's in the gra- it's planted in the garden in the ground, yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and like you say, all you can do, I think, is keep it well watered, but not waterlogged. You don't want it to dry out. You don't want it to get too soggy. So it's that keeping that balance going, of yeah. keeping it moist. And that what maybe has happened, maybe the roots were congested and they're not really able to grow out into the soil very well, and they're going to need a little bit of encouragement. And that would be just making sure that the soil is nice and moist, so the roots can penetrate it easily. Um, you could, if you wanted to give it a foliar feed, we mentioned that early on this morning, of, Something like uh, a maxi crop, maxi crop which is a seaweed fertiliser. Yep. And you can <clears> drench <throat> that over the whole plant because if the roots aren't functioning very well, you can get nutrients into the tree via the needles. So that's right. what we'd recommend. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a pleasure for Josie in Waltham Abbey and John in Brentwood. John, what do you got for us today? Good morning, Kenlo, to use Benson's language. <laughs> Um, two little tips first. Fruit tree grease. Uh, put it indoors for a week or on top of your airing cupboard. It goes on absolutely oh, beautiful. That's a good idea. Yeah, very good. <clears throat> what was the uh, other one there, John? You, you know you mentioned ultimate fruit and veg bug. Yes. I won't name it because you didn't. You can only use three applications on that. Yes. Did you know... I, yes, I did. Yes, I, I know that it's very... about reading the instructions quite well and it's not yeah. covering fruit trees anymore. That's why we're relying more on pheromone traps and organic methods, mm. I think, now to control fruit pests. But you, you can use it, but you've got to be very, very careful and apply it, as you say, only a, a certain amount of time. Right, my questions. Uh, I've got a quince about 10 foot high, about 5 or 6 foot deep and about 15 foot wide. How serious... I think the right time to prune it is a flower drop, is that right? Yeah, that's right, John. Yep. yep. And how severe can I prune it with, without mm. killing it? How, oh. This is a very old one, yes? Uh, probably 10 years old now. Do you know was, what? I think you can prune them quite hard. Quite hard. Because they sucker. They're one when of these... hard, mm. could I take it down to uh, some of the main branches out from the bottom plus 
to within sort of five foot of the of the room. Oh, easy. Yeah, you could. Easy. So you're reducing it by about half and taking out some of the old shoots completely. You can. And like I say, they do sucker. Whenever I try and dig the things out, because I've got some at home, There's some old some stumps, they're all over the shop. And so I'm having real difficulty kind of actually trying to kill mine off. So I think you'll be perfectly safe to give it a bit of a renovation prune, as we call it in the trade. All right. Could I ask one last question? Go for it. I've got an apple tree, very old, yep. with a spread of about, oh, I don't know, 15 feet, and the lower branches are about five foot from the ground. Is there any plants that would survive underneath it? Ooh. I tried potatoes last year, and I ended up with four foot long tubers on it. Do you want to grow veg vegetable? Do you mean or no, no, anything? Anything? No, I'll anything? Give up with vegetables under them. Do you know what we've got under the apple tree at ours at home? Because we've got we've got um, we've got, got grass, but we've also got a circular bed right close to the trunk, and it's full of spring bulbs. And spring bulbs are very good for planting under deciduous trees because they flower and do their thing before the tree has a chance to leaf up and cast any shade. You can add cyclamen yeah, as well. Yeah, we've got autumn and spring cyclamen. We've got hyacinths. We've got muscari. We've got daffs, um, oh, crocus, no, all sorts. That's horrible. Right, vinca. <laughs> Sorry, vinca, begonia. Right, begonia. Vinca. Yeah, there's some grasses that are very good in uh, dry shade as well. Hackenachloa is one, isn't it? Okay, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> thank you. That's John in Brentwood giving us a call there. I'd like to just answer. Uh, I think Clive on the A12 Ipswich bound, we've talked, he said he's got a lot of planters full of dask. Um, when can he remove them? You can remove them now and dry them, but they will be better. If he wants to replant yeah, now, he can to, do it. You can. You just dry them out, but they're better left where they are and being yeah. able to die back naturally. They, yeah, exactly, because it will sort of starve and check the bulb. Right. Um, beech hedge planted November. Do I have to protect from frost? No. Do I prune first time this year? Mm, tip them through. What I would do, mm. this is how I do beech hedge, tip them through the year and that's it. Yeah. But if you get pruning some very... beech and hornbeam, you do it in August. But also don't forget, if, you're, if they're young hedging plants and they're very bare at the bottom, you can prune them back Hard. By half. Depends how Yeah, because you, if, if they're bare at the base and you want the hedge to yes. be fully cloaked in foliage from top to bottom, maybe cut them back by half. They are. Hopefully that's helped you. Um, and... Oh, we better go to Myra from <laughs> Bowers Gifford. You've wanted to know about your red robin. Is that right, Myra? It is, yes, Ken. Um, is it too late to prune it? No, not at all. No, nope, not Perfect at all. time. Oh, right. I love yes. it. That's, well, that's all I needed to know. Oh, thank Myra, you so much. thank you for your call here <laughs> at BBC Essex. We now go to uh, Marianne from Rayleigh. You were talking foxes. How have, how are you controlling foxes? Is that what you rung us about, Marianne? Yes, it is. Morning, Ken. Um, <clears throat> yes, I've got it. Um, it never, never fails. It's human hair. Oh. Uh, human hair. I've never heard anybody ring you and suggest this. But I've had great success, and I haven't seen a fox in my garden for two years. Um, you just spread the human hair. If you can find out where they're coming in, if not on the area that they're causing the problem with. Um, you need to replenish about every two weeks. Um, and as I say, it never, never fails. And I've so, given this tip to loads of people, and they've all had excellent results. Oh, great. So That's the kind of response friend, we want. Friendly with a hairdresser, is that right? <laughs> be friendly. I was going to say, you, you can keep your own 
hair when it's cut, or you can go to a hairdresser and they'll give you a bag. Do you know that's that's fantastic, Marion? It's lovely yes. to hear from people who have got a suggestion for us. That's what it's all yes. about here on BBC Essex. Thank you, Marion, for that. Uh, Christine in Burnham, I hope you're still listening to that. Uh, and then we can answer that as well. You know, spread the word, because that is what BBC Essex and the Gardening Hour is all about. Ed, I did say, Ed, I was going to answer your question. Um, can I move a yew tree? It's about two foot six, and when can I move it? The answer is I wouldn't move it now, would you? Probably it's a little a bit, bit too late. late. A bit dry, and especially because it's so we've had such an early yeah. spring, everything's sort of. If know. it was damper and the yeah. spring was a bit later, I'd say yes, do it. But I would not, Ed, take that risk now. I would wait till the winter. Yeah. Well, you? or October. October. October when the ground's yeah. still warm, and when and the then... plant has slowed down and yeah. stopped doing its thing. Uh, we're now talking olive trees with Eunice in Clacton. Hello, Eunice. Oh, hello. Um, I have a nine-year-old olive tree in a pot. The pot's about um, a two and a half across. Mm-hmm. And it's been fine, and now it's really looking poorly. Um, I scratched the top ends of the top branches, and it, they're still green, but the leaves look really, sorry for themselves, brown, and dropped all their leaves as well. So I'm not quite sure what I could do. It's either got too wet or it's got too cold or a combination of both in the in the winter, um, because right. olives are happier in They're free, Mediterranean. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They want the sunshine. They want free draining soil. So, winter wet and cold is the most likely thing at this time of year that's going to cause them to look unhappy now. So, right. yeah. So try and move it to the sunniest, most sheltered spot of your garden. Yeah. See, it doesn't dry out, but that doesn't mean waterlog it. No, exactly. Just right. have a little look at the root system. Get a hand fork and poke around at the roots and just see whether they're soggy. If they are, don't water it at all until it's sorted itself out. I imagine in this kind of weather, though, it's probably more going to be that it's just got a bit cold because I would imagine they're not waterlogged at this time of year because it's been so dry. And give it a bit of feed. Yeah, exactly. A light liquid feed, nothing too major because it's stressed already. So. Oh, there's nothing worse than a stressed olive tree. No, exactly. They Trestle. won't shut up, will they? Yeah, they just no, don't you shut have up. To give them tranquilizers. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour. This is BBC Essex. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the gardening advice, tips, and events, you can download this program and take it with you wherever you go. Just visit the BBC Essex website bbc.co.uk slash BBC Essex The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11.